You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce, and how are you today? Good afternoon. Yeah, doing 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 well. Um, wonderful weather, you know. Just uh, mm-hmm. yeah, watching the bit of the DNC and the nation kind of uh, kind of crumbling around us, you know. Isn't Great that? Isn't that like a uh, honestly, I, I saw it. OK, I, I saw it. You and I were going over some of the footage and we were going over some of the footage from the daytime broadcast of the DNC, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like the stuff that's not on television. It doesn't get shown on television. And it is, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't really have a word for it. I don't have a word for it other than insane. But it's not insane in today's world, is it? It's normal. Like that's that's what it's become. But these are lunatics. Well, yeah, like they are loons. It's, it's normal. They belong. For, it's normal. It's normal for twenty twenty. Like okay, and I I said it to you before this. If this would have been shown in two thousand ten, no one would have believed it. No one. No. No one would have believed it. No. No. You you could go back ten years and say I'm a, tra- a time traveler from the future, and I'm t- uh, this this is all that's happening. Like you could lay out, <laughs> literally lay out what just happened in the last uh, eight months. From from the beginning of this year till now, all the stuff, all the craziness has happened from from the fires and pandemic and, you know, all the crazy stuff that's happened. And you could tell them this is all going to happen in 2020. They would laugh at you. Insane. Okay, so this is breaking. This just popped up in front of me. TikTok will challenge Trump's order banning U.S. transactions. They've just confirmed it. The company's just confirmed it. So looks like they're going to war with the Trump administration. I mean, TikTok, we know who TikTok is, right? That's yeah. That's the CCP. So we, we know yeah. what the involvement is there. They'll, honestly, they'll win. And the reason TikTok? I say that is the TikTok will win. And the reason I say that is the president doesn't have the power or the authority to tell a business you can't do business. Now, if Congress were to have passed a bill or something that said passed heavy regulations on business with China or, or something on that effect and or agencies that are working in China. OK, I, I would say, OK, then in that case, then TikTok would lose. But in this case, it's, it's an executive order. The president has almost the president has very little power. I mean, mm-hmm. it's designed that way. The, the only reason that we're we're all up in arms about what the president's doing is because of the executive orders and because our elected officials aren't fighting uh, those things. Right. And not only that, they've delegated a lot of the power to the president because they don't want to be the ones with the egg on their face. So and it's not like they're going to get anything no. through anyway. They're not like they're not going to get right. anything through. If if it gets introduced in the Senate, the House isn't going to pass it. Are you mm-hmm. telling me or vice versa. that like they're in re-election mode at the moment? They don't care about any of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not exactly true. I mean, they're OK. So there, there's going to be some politicians that are for it. I, I know there's a handful of politicians that are actually concerned about the nation and concerned about the Constitution and how nuts things are going. And they actually care and right. probably have have, you know, committees digging into this. But uh, again, the problem is, is because the president did this through executive order, that's pretty much meaningless, mm-hmm. more or less. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it doesn't it, it does hold some power. But at the same time, you could compete at the at the state level. If the governor were to say, 
yeah, we're not going to listen to that. Well, governor overpowers them in that case, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it, it really, they're, honestly, it's silly that they're, they're doing that. But since the, the president doesn't really have that much power, that's why it's important who you elect on the local level and the state level. That's why it's really important. Those positions are more important than the president. The president is important. Don't get me wrong. But your state and local level is more important. You are 100% correct, sir. And that is because we have an inverted system when it comes to the West. We're not run like your normal democracy, right? Because what do we always say? The U.S. is not a democracy. Mm -hmm. Someone should educate these people at the DNC on the fact that we are not a democracy. Someone should educate them. We've never been a democracy and we never will be one. God help us if we become one. So, I mean, I'm all for having extra parties and stuff in there, you know, a couple extra viewpoints and things like that. I'm all for that. But we don't need to break up the constitutional republic, which is what we are. We're not a democracy. But the beauty of that system is, is it allows us to govern from the bottom up, as you just said. Everything's inverted. So it's done on the local level and it's thrusted upward. Everywhere else around Western civilization where they have democracies, it's from the top down. It's everything from a dictatorial rule down, unless unless you have a country that is a federal republic. If you have a country like, for example, Germany, same thing. It's a federalist system. So you have 17 individual states and then you have uh, the governors of those. Well, what would we would consider to be the governors of each individual state? And then it goes upward. So it's done on that level, but it's not done down to even the local kind of thing. I mean, it's you still have local systems and things like that. Of course you do. But it's it's not quite of, of what we know uh, in the U.S. But yes, to your point, yes, it is. It is the local level. This is why you have guys like Soros that come in and they buy up politicians and district attorneys at the local level uh-huh. because he couldn't mm-hmm. get it done at the federal level. He finally changed up tactics and he started going at politicians and going at legal officials at the local level. Same thing with county sheriffs. He started going after county sheriffs because he knew that he couldn't get it any other way. So he started funding county sheriffs across the country. And I have to say one thing in, in all this, you have a lot of the uh, a lot of the counties around the country that have held fast on a lot of that stuff. As far as all these mandates and everything, they've they've stood behind the community rather than the agenda. Uh, and that's that's a great thing. They're even ignoring the politicians in those local areas at the county level. They're ignoring them because the sheriff's an elected position. They're an elected official. If the people don't like what the sheriff does, then they'll vote them out. It's that simple. Yeah. So, okay, let's uh, let's talk about because we mentioned the DNC there. Let's talk about Biden. All these people, supposedly the the numbers for Biden's speech were off the charts, you know, twenty four point six million or something like that. I don't believe that. That's me. That's me. That's my own personal opinion. I don't believe that. And the reason I don't believe that is because of what I saw. If you looked at the screens and this has come out, this is across social media. This is across uh, even some mainstream news networks have picked this up and some alternative ones as well. If you look at the screenshots and the videos in live time of the ones that put the screens up after Biden's speech, after his acceptance speech, giving the, you know, the Zoom screen with all the different people on it, they duplicated the people on the screen like they can't even fill up a Zoom call. They, they literally can't do this. And to be honest with you, I mean, that's really sad. That's really sad. So I find it very hard to believe that he had over 20 something million people, almost 25 million people or 26 million, whatever it was. All those people watched him, but yet they can't fill up a Zoom call of more than 30 people. 
I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Yeah. So um, as far as far as the the viewership is concerned, I, I tend to I I tend to agree with you. I don't believe the numbers they have already shown and <laughs> admitted to the overall viewership when you when you compare apples to apples, right? So each news agency with with itself from 2016, right? So ABC with ABC, CNN with CNN, so on and so forth. It, overall, it's a 48 percent decrease in viewership across the board. So they're saying when you add all of it together and you add all of them together, it's really only a 17% decrease. Uh, no, uh, you have to add, you have to compare them with themselves. Honestly, I, I tend to believe that more. It was down 47%, which means they had what, what, what I say, uh, 20, I want to say it was like 25.1 million, I believe is, is the numbers that they, they would have pulled this time around because last time it was, you know, whatever, 35 million or something like that, somewhere in that range on, well, 35 million was the one night, I think, whatever, all that to say, I don't remember the exact numbers. I don't have them in front of me and I hate doing that, but I, I, I don't believe it. I, I don't believe it either. There, there's... It, 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 people don't care. And honestly, the people that are watching, I, I shouldn't say they don't care. Well, there's no, no energy I, behind Biden. Yeah, exactly. That right there. That right there. I was going to say exactly that. We, we think is one, Bruce. We think is one. There's no energy. Yeah. There's no energy. There's mm -hmm. nothing to get excited about. Like with Obama. OK, forget his politics. Forget his policies. OK, J just throw that out the window. He had energy behind him, didn't he? He yeah. got people yeah. interested in his campaign. Now, whether you agreed with it or not, that's a side issue, right? That has nothing to do with that. It's the fact that he actually got people energized. He could energize a crowd with his speech. These people can't do that. Of course, they weren't even speaking in front of a crowd. And did you like the one at the end there where they couldn't, like Biden and Harris, they couldn't uh, embrace each other. They couldn't, you know, do anything because all they had to say social distance. But yet Biden's wife and Harris's husband came walking out together, no social distancing from behind the curtain. And then they went over to uh -huh. their partners. <laughs> they, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You can't go uh, break social distancing and you know embrace each other, shake each other's hand. You can't do that because, oh, you don't want to break that level. But yet your spouses are behind the scenes walking out together. And then you go to each other that hello. Like that's. Yeah. Honestly, and the, the, with them, when, when it's a, a campaign like that, they're they're going to be around each other all the time. Of course, they if are. they were to win, they're 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 going to be around each other twenty four seven almost. I mean, it, it's so well, not really. Biden's going to be in his bunker, and Kamala's essentially going to be running the the uh, Oval Office. But nonetheless, oh man, they'll the be around each other here. all the time. Yeah, the media over here is going crazy with this whole Biden and this kid with this speech impediment thing. Like, that's the story yeah. they're driving. And it's like, do they have no shame? Seriously, like, do yeah. they have no shame at all? That's terrible. That's really terrible. I mean, that. Yeah, that's awful. That's that's really awful. I just I hate to see that because it's exploitation and it's they're promoting an agenda there. And it's like you're you're trying to tie it into Oh, well, if uh, if someone makes fun of Joe, then it's which we don't do that. But if someone makes fun of Joe, it's like, oh, you're you're uh, it's knocking him because he has a disability or something. No. Yeah, you're, you're not. No, no, no. See, but see, they're tying it to a child. That's the key takeaway from it is they're tying it to a child that they make it look like, oh, well, you're attacking children with disabilities. That's that's what they're trying to do with it. That's the message they're trying to portray with it. And it's disgusting. It's it's despicable. It's absolutely despicable. Yeah. They're, they're trying to pull on your emotions. That, that's the whole intent. That's why they bring in children. That's why they talk about statistics and they say, oh, so many children died, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's the entire reason they're talking about that is 
to pull on your emotions. I mean, you should be concerned about everyone that, you know, is is affected or whatever. Uh, but typically people are more protective of children. So they, they pull out that. So, yeah, no, I think this was total and complete exploitation of this kid. OK, so let's talk about Biden. So speaking of energy, let's talk about his campaign. He's got this campaign mm-hmm. slogan, which I didn't even learn about until last night. It's called Build Back Better. What, yeah. what What is this? Build Back Better. OK, so make America great again. That sounds like a OK, That that's horrible. No, we can't do that. But it's like they just kind of ripped that off and they gave it like a, a Democrat spin to it. And it's called Build Back Better. Rebuild America Better? Why, why don't you just say that? Why, why Build Back Better? Apparently, the plan, the plan itself, is modeled after a UN plan on some kind of disaster relief program. So where is he going with Build Back Better? Is this the Green New Deal? That's, I guess that's what I'm alluding to here. Is that what this is? Is that what he's pushing for? A lot of it. Yeah, a lot of it is. Um, so the, the, the slogan is just to compete exactly as you were saying, um, to compete with uh, Make America Great Again. The catch is they're the party that says American it was never great to begin with. So how are you going to make it better? Like build back better. How are you going to go back to being better when it was never better to begin with, according to you? Right. And they are the ones that have been advocating and the ones that have been carrying out the orderly shutdown of the economy itself that have caused the massive unemployment. So what you're going to you're going to destroy the economy and now you want to build it back better. So your, your policies are bankrupting everyone. You're, you're pushing people into suicides, which is what we talked about yesterday. We talked about the average or excuse me. We talked about the sentiment of the average person out there. The anger that's building at the local level. And now you're going to come along and you're going to offer a solution like this, build back better, when it's your policies, your destructive policies that led to the downfall of what we're seeing right now. But yet they're trying to pin that on Trump. And again, again, I'm not cheerleading for Trump here. I'm not. Right. I'm I'm not. Go Uh, go ahead. You want to know what build back better is? Yeah. Go ahead. What is it? Aligning with net zero uh, emissions, strengthening... Uh climate resilience. Okay. Reducing biodiversity loss. Uh-huh. Innovation in building on behavior changes, improving uh-huh. supply chain resilience and well-being and so basically logistics, improving supply chain logistics. Bring uh, it all okay. back to the US. Do, do you know what this is? Do, do you know what that is? It is exactly it's funny because it, it's funny you mention all those things right there because I know exactly what that is and you know exactly what that is. That is what we're going to talk about tomorrow with Marty, and that is Agenda 2030. That's precisely what that is. That is exactly what it is. And, and the 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 final goal of all of those things pushes to well-being and inclusiveness. That's the uh-huh. center of this little uh-huh. chart here. Yes, inclusive. Yes, well-being and inclusiveness uh-huh. because because we didn't have well-being before all this. We didn't have inclusiveness before all this. See, it's the opposite yeah. of everything that they say. We were the most free, the most prosperous, most innovative, most inclusive nation on earth. But yet they're billing it to us like, oh, no, you weren't those things. We, we weren't that great place. No, we weren't those things. But don't you worry. With us in power, we're going to be those things. <laughs> yeah, right. I see here that he's going to put... A, uh, a progressive climate change program forward, uh, and he's going to immediately get us back into the uh, the Paris Climate Accord, which isn't that is that what you said that you said that that particular agreement, we would have to be shut down 10 months out of the year. Isn't that what you said? Yep, For 10 years, for 10 if years, if you want to make if, if you want to make effect effective change for the climate 
and want to reduce the climate by however, what, whatever. If you want to avert the climate disaster we're going to have in 100 years, uh, according to what the extremists which are is, saying, which, which, which is, is actually zero, 10 years or which is 0.2 like degrees Celsius. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's in 100 years. Yeah, it, in 100 it's years. a small. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very small amount. But to to curb that, you have to shut down 10 months out of the year for and we're talking harder lockdowns than what we've seen during the coronavirus. It's like nobody works at all. Nobody goes anywhere. The only reason you go anywhere is to get food and that's it. Like or, you know, the essentials. And you have to do that for 10 years. And that's how you would curb it. And then what? You go back to normal? Well, no. I mean, if you go back to normal, then everything's going to be, you know, you're going to run into the same situation again. So uh, essentially you would have to live the rest of your life and, you know, 10 months out of the year lockdown and only two months out. That, that's pretty much what it boils down to. Uh, instead of, you know, instead of innovating and, you know, uh, trying to engineer our way out of this, they want to tell you, you can't do anything. You have to essentially shut down and go back to, you know, pre-industrialized society. You know, you know, it's funny. I'm getting, yeah, it's like, that's, that's insane. Okay. Look, I'm all for innovation, right? We've talked about that here before. I'm all for championing new innovations and new ideas and things like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm all for moving away from petrochemicals, right? I'm all for that. I am. But if you're going to move away from something like that, then you need to have something to replace it with that is a viable alternative. You have to have something that works. It has to be. And when I say something that works, I mean, it has to be as good or better than what you have, because you have to be able to innovate up. You don't innovate down. You don't go backwards in the name of progress. That's counterproductive. That that doesn't work. And that's exactly how these people think. We've been talking about this kind of stuff off and on. And again, you know, I, I swear these phones are listening to us. I mean, they are because I had an ad come across my phone today and it says goodbye oil. Hello, e-fuels. <laughs> I'm serious. Hello, e-fuels. Uh, what are e-fuels? Never heard of e-fuels. What are e-fuels? I don't know. Like, that's something completely new. It's all of a sudden, it's just popped. Like, this term has just popped up somewhere. The hell's e-fuel? And then as I as I looked at it, I thought, all right, well, that's that's some form. Of, as I, as I kind of clicked on it. I looked at it. I thought, OK, you know, for research purposes, I thought, this is interesting. OK, so I looked at it, and it started to say uh, something about hydrogen. And then I, I was, of course, I was waiting on my my food, so I had to go pick it up. But um, what's what are e-fuels? I didn't get a chance to read all of it. So what is it? So e-fuels are fuels that are uh, generated exclusively with renewable energy. So basically, you would create like hydrogen um, using electricity that was uh, nuclear reactor, you know, when nuclear reactor or you know, wind, solar, whatever, and then. Uh, you're using carbon dioxide. How do you now, use if that is a to get hydrogen? Now, look, I, I've been an advocate for the hydrogen fuel cell for a long time because it makes sense. It's essentially it's an inexhaustible form of fuel and it works. But the problem is, is that it doesn't fit the agenda. As in the oil companies don't want to go out there and make a product that's going to put them out of business. That's not what they want. So hydrogen does exactly that. That's the problem. They experimented with this know, in California. Go ahead. Do you know where they get hydrogen, by the way? The the biggest place that they get it right now is natural gas. Uh, I yeah, believe sure, that, you can yeah. get it from water. Sure, you can get it from water and with electrolysis and whatnot. But yeah, no, it's natural gas nowadays. 
Well, the thing about it is, is like hydrogen, like a hydrogen fuel cell, for example, Honda made a hydrogen fuel cell car and uh, uh, Governor Schwarzenegger out in California, Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he was the governor, he signed a deal to put in hydrogen fuel stations all across the state. And we've talked to GP about that before. And he says the biggest problem is, is finding a station that has hydrogen. That's the problem. The second problem to that is, is a lot of times the stations that have hydrogen don't have any hydrogen. So the... Like they can't even get it back in. So it's like, OK, here's a nice concept. And there was some real progress that was actually being made. And the reason I say that it's a viable alternative is for two reasons. One is it can operate at current capacity, as in it will take the vehicle the same amount of distance as what you can get out of a petrol powered car now. OK, so a full tank of gas, a full tank of hydrogen will get you near about the same distance. Here's the key to it. Here's the key to it couple of things. One, it's an inexhaustible fuel source. We can make it. Okay. We can make it. We can generate it. That's the first thing. The second thing is the only byproduct, the only byproduct that comes out of a car or any type of, a, of an engine that runs a hydrogen fuel cell, the only byproduct is clean water vapor. That's it. There's nothing else that comes out of there. Now, my question to this and through this entire thing has been, where are these environmental crazies talking about that? Like that's a real solution that can deal with the exhaust of vehicles. That's a real innovative solution to move society and civilization forward and transition away from petrochemicals. Where's the talk? Where's the talk of that? I've not heard anything over the last decade, almost two decades now, which that technology has been around for a while, but most notably in the last 10 to 15 years. But where's the talk? Where's where's the push? Where's the rush? Where's the innovation? Where's the, the the production? Where's the drive? Where's the marketing? Where's the manufacturing? There's no money there. There's no money there. Everything's being pushed into this electric garbage that doesn't work, with the exception of Tesla. I think they've done a pretty good job. But nonetheless, you still have a battery there. Hydrogen, you don't have that. You, you don't have that. So I'm just looking at alternatives. I'm looking for innovation. And you innovate and you transition into a more clean energy source, one that's just as efficient as what you have. Why do I say that that is the alternative for tomorrow? And I'll tell you why it's the alternative for tomorrow, because it fits the lifestyle we have of today. So it fits what we have. It fits the way that people travel. It fits their behaviors. It fits their uh, their lifestyle, their way of living. So without altering anything too drastically, you can still have that. As in you drive a Tesla or you drive uh, an electric car of any kind. And there's others, than, you know, other than a Tesla that's out there. Well, your car runs out of electricity. You know, it runs out of uh, a power. You have to stop and charge the thing for how long, right? With hydrogen, it takes just as much time to fill it up as it does with uh, petrol or gasoline. And you move on. I'm just wondering where, where does it, I mean, where's the real innovation? That's all I want. Right. That's all I want. Where's the true transition mm -hmm. into new forms of energy? As far as electric cars are concerned, I, I know with Tesla, for example, aren't they like 480 miles or something like that? They can go on one charge. I mean, it's it's pushing 500 miles. I um, thought it was like three. Yeah, I thought it was like 375. But but in certain circumstances, you can get them to remotely unlock some software and it'll get you to almost 500. That's my understanding of it. Uh, let's see. Bomb boss. Uh, 310, 435. Uh, yeah, 402. All right. So 402, 402. is the okay. highest. Okay, that that's the that's the the highest one you can do, uh, from what I'm seeing, which is a 100 kilowatt battery. And the um, e truck, the e semi, that's 
the, the one that they're working on now or whatever it's called, that thing will do. What did he say? 800? No, 1200 miles. It does. It does a big chunk of mileage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically, the, the point I was getting at is the 402 miles, the median, according to the Department of Energy data for 2016 model vehicles, the median is 412 miles. Really? On a, on a single gas tank. Okay. So, I mean, the Tesla Model S uh, with with the highest, uh, you know, the largest battery is 402 miles. It's about the same. Now, exactly what you were saying, the the difference is, is charge time, right? So you would charge it. It takes like 30 minutes to charge it to what, 80% or, or so. Whereas if you're, you know, you just have a conventional gas powered or diesel powered, you know, you, you get it in a couple of minutes, you're, you're good to go. So it, it requires a little bit more planning. You would have to stop and like eat a meal or something. But, you know, if we continue the technology, though, if we continue expanding this, this is the catch with electric cars. If we continue down the road of going uh, towards advancing batteries and those kind of uh, uh, motors and whatnot and making them more efficient, the batteries will have bigger uses than just the cars, right? We're, we're talking about portal devices. We're talking about other things when it comes to like space travel and those sort of uh, satellites and so forth. And we could potentially, if we can make a really efficient battery and make really efficient solar panels, theoretically, you could actually uh, power houses reliably with solar power you know i mean that that's a, a viable solution for at least newer houses having um you know being uh, uh well insulated and so on and so forth so they they lose less heat or cool you know and it requires less uh less solar energy to uh to to power things so i don't know i mean there are other methods to generate power and if we don't continue researching other means, you know, obviously we're going to get stuck and go stagnant. And this goes to the agenda that we're now seeing from the World Health Organization, because you see, Bruce, those people at the uh, excuse me, excuse me, those experts at the World Health Organization. Did you know that they're also experts on the climate as well and, and championing new forms of, uh, of energy and and th- things of that nature? Did you know that? No surprise. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. It's it's amazing that these are supposed to be doctors and yet they know all about uh, climate change. It's it's fascinating. Now uh, they've come out and you say, okay, well, why, why is he? You know, why why are you transitioning to? Uh, how do you get the pandemic out of climate change? <laughs> Let me explain. The World Health Organization said on Friday that a vaccine will be a vital tool. It's a tool now, you see, in the global Mm. fight against the coronavirus, but it won't end the COVID-19 pandemic on its own. And there's no guarantee that scientists will find a vaccine that'll work. Now, you see, this is the problem I have with it, amongst many other things. But this is my main issue with this is they say, okay, well, there's no guarantee that scientists will find one. Well, then why are you making one? Why, Why are you making one? Was it? It's about control, isn't it? This is not about saving lives. This is not about keeping people safe. This is not about bettering society. It's about control, isn't it? World leaders and the public must learn to must learn. You hear this? Must learn to manage the virus and make permanent adjustments to their daily lives to bring the virus down to low levels. Oh, hmm. well, excuse permanent me. I've, I've I've been I've been so bad living a. Uh, you know, measly existence. I It's just horrible, horrible way for me to think and, and to be so selfish about it all. You know, mm. I mean, it's just the, the way that 
the way that I've been living a, a lifestyle that's, oh, it's just, uh, I just, I should have known better this whole time. And he said from the Geneva headquarters, it is nice, lavish place in Switzerland. He said, at the same time, we will not, we cannot go back to the way things were. What have I said from the start of this thing? They don't want any of this to end. If you were going to take over the world and you wanted to do it under the guise of keeping people safe and it was for their own good, but you wanted to do it also with some form of a pandemic, what would you use? What virus would you use? You don't release a real deadly, deadly virus because blowback, right? That's also in the Biological Weapons Convention written by Dr. Francis Boyle, right? Most countries signed on to that. So everybody knows how those processes work. You have a country that develops the virus itself. They then reverse engineer it so they can develop a vaccine. And then they start stockpiling it. Once they stockpile it, then they turn it over to their governments for a delivery system. Every country goes through the same process when they manufacture biological weapons. So you don't release a real one. You don't release a big one that's going to kill a whole bunch of people. You don't do that because of why? Blowback. So it can come back on them. If you want to maintain control and you want to maintain some form of legitimacy, which these people don't have, by the way. So if you want to have that, then what do you do? You pick the most common thing out there. You pick a coronavirus. It's a whole family of these things. There must be a, I'll bet you there's a half a million of them on this desk in front of me here. You test this desk that I'm sitting at, I guarantee you it'll test positive. I, I can almost guarantee you. You go after control over the most common thing out there that nearly everyone has. This is exactly why you saw the agenda from the United Nations switch. They switched it from climate to public health. Why? It's about you. It's about me, right? It, they have to make it personal. See, they reverse everything back on itself so you don't understand what you're seeing. You think, oh, well, it's my responsibility. It's my part to do this because that's what they're telling you. With climate change, it was what? It was carbon, right? All life is made up of carbon. Everyone is a carbon-based life form. So it was all about, what was it? Your carbon footprint? Isn't that what we'd always hear mm -hmm. about? Your carbon footprint. Mm -hmm. You're bad. You creating all these things and, and using all these services and driving cars and flying and and breathing. You know, that's that's your carbon footprint. Eating meat. Right. That's that's your carbon footprint. You're bad. Wasn't catching on fast enough. They had to switch it up. They had to change tactic. Enter COVID-19. Pick a coronavirus. Pick something everyone has. You have to make everybody a part of something. That's what it's all about with them. It's not enough to do it with just a, a small fringe group of lunatics. That, that's not enough. See, they still have that small fringe group of lunatics out there now. And I'm talking about those idiots that wear the mask in the car by themselves, right? That kind. People that wear a mask in their house by themselves. Idiots. Idiots. Absolute idiots. Sheep to the end. There's no saving that. But it's about picking something that everyone's got. Why? Because then they can make everybody involved in it. So he continues on here. He says, in particular, the COVID-19 pandemic has given new impetus to the need to accelerate efforts to respond to climate change. Oh, well, I thought it was about I thought it was about saving lives. I, I thought it was about saving your 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 family, sa saving your neighbor. Your, yeah, isn't that what the masks are for? He says the COVID-19 pandemic has given us a glimpse of our world as it could be cleaner skies and rivers. You know, I've never met a single person. Uh, yeah, you're laughing. I'm too. I'm, I'm laughing inside. I'm trying not to do it out loud. <laughs> I don't I don't know of a single person. I, I don't care what side of the political spectrum you're on. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about environmentalism. OK, I'm talking about people that actually believe in conserving the environment, the real conservation movement, not this whacked out stuff that they promote in uh, in organizations like the UN, which we're going to talk about tomorrow. But real environmentalism, real conservationism. I've never met a single person that says that they want dirty air. 
I've never met a single person that says, yeah, we ought to pollute those streams <laughs> so, we could, yeah, we, so we can't even see the bottom. I've never heard anyone say that. Have you? No. Of course not. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. But see, they know that. They know that. They know that people will agree on those issues. That's why they use them. But you have to understand that there's a larger agenda behind it. Exactly what you were saying. Um, it, it'll, it'll all tie into the Build Back Better uh, as well. That's uh, one of the things that Biden's pushing. It's also about COVID when it comes to Biden. The one I read you was actually the UN, but Biden's is based on the same thing. <laughs> I, I honestly, what, what else would you use? I mean, the, the common cold, the flu. You know, I mean, those are the the only two that you would really use. And the common cold is technically the flu. I mean, it it affects people differently. Right. So, yeah, you would definitely use the common cold or the flu to uh, to enact uh, fear across the populace so that they're all afraid of something. The boogeyman. And in this case, uh, a disease that we can't control. Current flu virus vaccines, by the way, we've had vaccines for what, like 70 years now, 80 years now. I don't know. We've had them a long time. And how many flu vaccines do we have that actually work? Well, that's right. Flu vaccines only work about 39% of the time. I don't know why they're going to, they're, they're thinking this one's going to be any, anywhere near successful. And we talked about, I'm sorry to interrupt you. We had, but to your point there, we have the company Novavax, who is one of the lead companies that's going to be responsible for development of the delivery for the UK and the United States, at least a third of the United States. And they've mm-hmm. been around for decades. They've been around since 1987. They haven't produced a single successful product, not one time. And they're going to be responsible for developing something for this. Yeah. And they're also providing for uh, South Korea and Japan as well. Wow. And they were given, I mean, millions of dollars for, for those two countries, by the way, uh, to, to have that. And then not to mention the millions from, um, you know, the Bill and Melinda Gates and so on and so forth. But yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a great way to enact control. And then of course, they'll bring in the other systems, you know, well, you can't go to work until you've been vaccinated. Well, you can't go to the movies. You can't go, uh, out to eat. You can't, you know, go to the, the football game or the basketball game or the baseball game until you've been vaccinated. And to make sure that we know you've been vaccinated, we're going to put this little identifier in you. It's going to have all your, you know, like your identification, everything, just in case, you know, it's, it's for your safety and, and convenience. You'll just be able to swipe your hand across here and it'll read the chip that's in there and we'll know you've been vaccinated and all that kind of stuff. And if there's ever an emergency, uh, it'll also have the information on there for things like, um, you know, the, like what you're allergic to, if you need any kind of special medications, you know, kind of a basic medical history for emergency workers to come in. You know, and, and you know, we might look at doing things that make it more convenient as well. We could use this as an identifier so you can claim who you really are, you know, tie it to like your credit card or something. I was going to um, say, to be just for convenience purposes, I mean, should, shouldn't we just put all your yeah. financial records and everything on there, too? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, at least right up front, we could do something that's uh, just an identifier for you. And it's it like. It's just you're identifying who you are, like a signature, you know. So when you you swipe your card or whatever, and you usually have to sign the receipt or whatever. Well, you, you don't have to sign the receipt anymore. That'll save paper. It'll help the environment. Instead, what you're going to do is you'll swipe your card and then scan your your hand or or wherever the chips implanted, and there you go. Uh, you, you don't have to sign anything anymore. You can be relatively touchless on everything, you know, and it'll help you know, delay the spread or, or reduce the spread of the virus. And it'll, it'll make things more convenient for you. 
Here's my question. Here, here's my question. Spe- just coming back here real quick to the WHO, as I continue to read this, I continue to get more angry. And as I'm, I'm looking at this, I, I'm reminded of one thing. The, the United States, we pulled out of that organization and we defunded our contribution to that organization, correct? We did do that. Uh, yes. Well, uh, okay. I know there was talks of it, but I don't know if we officially did. If that makes sense. Uh, okay. Well, I, th- I think it was didn't meant it take to last. Like a year? Yeah, I think it was meant to last to like the end of this year. And we still owed money for this year. So I, I think it's still there. But my, my OK, side, side issue. But my question is, the United States withdrew from the World Health Organization. Why are we still listening to them? We, we, we don't listen to non-governmental agencies in the U.S. We, we don't listen to you people. Understand? We don't listen to you. We, we don't take orders from you and we don't like you. We detest people like you. You pieces of garbage are hated everywhere west of the Hudson River. And you know something? East of the Hudson River is losing citizens fast. So you're going to be out of friends real damn quick. The smartest thing Trump could do, I mean, thank God I'm not the president of the United States because I've said many of times here before, and I'll continue to say it again, I would have that organization padlocked. I would have it seized. I'd have it padlocked. I'd have their passports, their diplomatic immunity, and every other piece of crap paper they've got. I'd have it revoked, and I'd have them thrown out of the country before 6 p.m. That's what I would do. And you know something? There are tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of Americans that would agree with just that sentiment as well. So don't think I'm alone on that. You know, and they're speaking on the the uh, the, the the wonderful wonderful WHO and um, all that involved with the uh, coronavirus and everything. They're saying that the coronavirus pandemic could last for another two years. So uh, you know, I don't expect uh, it to go away. up. I guess I don't expect it to go away. No, it, it won't. Like we're we're it still won't. dealing it, with the flu yeah. pandemic from a hundred years ago. You're saying this is all it's yeah. only going to last two years. I thought it was only supposed to last two weeks. Now it's two yeah, years. it was supposed to only be two weeks. Yeah, but honestly, uh, this is uh, this is coming from the director general. Uh, blah 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 blah. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. No, I don't um, even bother. I don't even listen to him. He, I had his picture up here on screen, and I just I, I closed it out because I can't look at him anymore. He's he's comparing this virus with the 1918 uh, Spanish flu pandemic, which took two years to stop. So he's saying it may Which, take another two years on top of that, because this one is so much worse than we the, the Spanish. Uh, we flu. haven't stopped the flu pandemic from 1918. We're still dealing with it. Yeah, exactly. It's not so exactly what we've been talking about. And we're going to talk about tomorrow. Um, this is a, the agenda. This is the narrative they want to push. This is the, the, the boogeyman that they need everyone to be afraid of so that they can uh, take away your freedoms and your 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 liberties. And, you know, again. Um, when you give up your freedoms, your liberties for security, you will get neither and you deserve neither. So, you know, I guess, I guess if you're going to give up your liberties because, uh, you know, this is a scary virus, you know, well, you don't deserve those liberties. Maybe you should be enslaved. Is that too callous? Actually, that, all I'm hard? hearing, well, no, I was just pondering. All, all I'm hearing out of you is, is, uh, is racism and, and hate speech and, and, and all mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. all the above. That, that's all I'm hearing out of you is you just mm-hmm. want people to die and, and you don't want anyone to, you, you don't want anyone to, to just live, Bruce. You, you want people to, mm-hmm. to be infected and you, that, that's all you want. Right. That's that's all I'm getting from you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm that's just where we're at now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. I, I know you are. You're, you're all right. Yeah. Let's uh, let, let's go over. OK, let's let's get off this climate change and this covid crap. Right. I, I'm just I'm sick of it. I can't. Do you know something? Do, do you remember before all this covid stuff? OK, last point on this. Do you remember all this covid stuff? All, or excuse me. Before all this covid stuff. Do you remember you and I were looking at the WHO vaccine summit in Geneva? 
Do you remember what they were yeah. saying? They were uh, losing credibility. They, they were losing credibility. Yeah. And in the medical community, in the inner circles of the medical community, the doctors and everyone, we ought to go back and dig those clips up. They were having problems. A lot of them were saying, oh, no, we don't uh, we, we don't need to be looking at these vaccines. We don't need to be looking at your recommendations anymore. We've got families that are pushing back. And these were the discussions that were being had in open roundtable discussions at the WHO at their summit in Geneva earlier this year. Well, early, excuse me, earlier last year. Guess what happened after that? We got a pandemic. Guess what? All of a sudden, oh, look, vaccines are relevant again. Just thought I'd throw that out there. We, we ought to go back and dig well, that up this week. Uh, th- another thing I would uh, want to point out real quick uh, on this. They're claiming the Sturgis rally is now showing signs that it's spreading COVID-19. Yeah, now, I saw that coming. I, I want to. I, yeah, we knew that was coming. But I would like to remind people that it just ended. Uh, like Sturgis just ended. Uh, it was like, like is, three or four days ago, wasn't it? Uh, I'm going to say today was the 17th. last day. Uh, maybe it was the 17th. Maybe. No, 16th. Yeah. OK, so so six days ago, it ended uh, as of this recording. It takes at least two weeks for that information to get back to the person that took the test. Right. That, that because of the, the the backup and blah, 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 you know, all the litigation, red tape, mm-hmm. all that BS. Mm-hmm. And, and to back that up, 40 percent of all the tests that are taken for COVID-19, by the time the patient that was tested gets the results back, they're useless to them. So but that's they don't tell you that one. They're saying now that the rally is is causing an uptick and a spike. That information won't be available to us in, in their government release for another month. It won't be till next month that we see this. Uh, so I don't know where they're getting this nonsense. Well, I mean, we, we know where they're getting it. They're just fear mongering and trying to get us all to panic. So, but anyway, that, that's uh last bit I wanted to cover on that one. That's you, funny. You, you know, I, I talked to, yeah, I, I talked to some people that actually went to Sturgis. I didn't know that they were, uh, that they had been out there, but, uh, yeah, they said they had a great time and guess what? Nobody's sick. Thought I'd throw that yeah. out there. Of course, you know something, Wait. Bruce, I'm sure that they're all asymptomatic. I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, they're, they're probably just all asymptomatic. Then. Right, right, right. Speaking of large gatherings, and which I'm glad you brought that up. Speaking of large gatherings, the Tennessee governor, he has signed a bill cracking down on certain types of protests. I didn't realize you could make a distinction unless, of course, one's a riot, then in which case it wouldn't be a protest. It'd be a riot, wouldn't it? So yeah. the Tennessee governor, that, Tennessee's yeah. one of, isn't that one of the states that didn't really close? And they were having success. Yeah, okay. Uh, um, I think so. Tennessee Republican Governor Bill Lee has signed off on a bill that imposes harsher penalties for protesters who break certain laws during demonstrations. Can I do a caveat real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Is 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 this the 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 media's narrative and and saying protest? Uh, because I have a feeling that he might be saying, look, if you're going to riot here and you break these laws, we're not going to go easy on you. And the media is just saying, oh, he's talking about protests. Yeah, I, th- I think it, it could be a little bit of that spin that you're talking about. But mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's a little bit I think, honestly, as I as I look down through it a little bit more, I think it might be aimed at people that come from out of state, if that makes any sense. I, I think that's kind okay. of what he's looking mm-hmm. at. Uh, but he's. Yeah, something like that. But but this is also talking about like camping and stuff, which, OK, if you're mm. if you're from out of state and you're an Antifa person, you don't have any money. 
you you don't have any jobs, so you're not staying in a hotel. You're sleeping on someone's couch or you're camping, right? I mean, that's that's what mm-hmm. it is. He's put it. Okay, apparently he signed it into law, and he did it without an announcement, so he didn't tell anyone he was doing it. Uh, and it's people who illegally camp on state property face a class E felony, punishable by up to six years in prison instead of a misdemeanor. Uh, it, yeah, and individuals found guilty of a felony in Tennessee also lose the right to vote. Yes. In addition, the law requires that people convicted of aggravated rioting serve a mandatory 45 day sentence, raises the fine for blocking highway access to emergency vehicles. Uh huh. And increases the penalty for aggravated assault against a first responder to a class C felony. A class C felony comes with a $15,000 fine and a mandatory minimum 90-day prison sentence. So, like I said, I think this is aimed at out-of-state agitators, wouldn't you think? That's kind of what I'm... It's kind of what I'm going with. Both. Yeah, it looks like, I mean, obviously it's going to be more, uh, more penalties, more penalties are going to be on the out-of-staters. Yes, but it it has an effect uh, on, on like homeless population and whatnot that would be camping out on, on government land, basically, or public land. I believe it said public, did it not? It just, it said state property. State says. State property. State property. Okay, so okay, so we'll we'll say you know like federal courthouse or and that's that's what it was aimed at. Yeah, that that's what it's yeah. aimed at because they've had some issues in Nashville and uh, there's been it looks like uh, two months of sustained protest outside the state capitol. They're looking at fires that were set. They're trying to burn a courthouse down in Nashville, uh, and that's not right. really not really talked about. And we all know who it is out there. I mean, if you yeah. Who goes around the country I, I mean, and into into state and city capitals and tries to burn down courthouses? I, I'm just saying. Uh, it, I, I want to say it's like a a a something. It starts with an A. Uh, it, it's weird pronounced word. And I think it ends with an A as well. I, I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hetty Weinberg, the leader of the American Civil Liberties Union of Tennessee, the ACLU, told the Associated Press that they were very disappointed in Lee's decision to enact the law. The actual quote from her was, while the governor often speaks about sentencing reform, this bill contradicts those words and wastes valuable taxpayer funds to severely criminalize dissent. Um, have <laughs> I mentioned before- between dissent and uh, riot, just saying? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And have I, have I mentioned before that the ACLU is probably the most dangerous organization in the U.S.? Why? They don't fight for civil liberties. They don't fight to ensure constitutional rights like their name suggests. They fight to dismantle the very system that's actually punishing people for breaking the law. They want anarchy. They want disorder. They want chaos because they capitalize from that and others like them do. The lying lawyers in these state and federal levels, they capitalize from that. What good are civil rights if you don't have a civil society? If you don't have a civil society, no one has any civil rights. How hard is that to understand? These bums at the ACLU would do good to understand that aspect of it. I I, I feel like you kind of have a disdain for this organization. Um, just a little bit. Kind of a, just a little yeah. bit. I, I've been I've been critical of them for years because that's exactly what they represent. That's exa- they represent disorder and chaos. They're the ones that back these DAs that go into the cities and get rid of these quality of life crimes or what they, they enact these quality of life, whatever the hell they call them. This mm-hmm. is why San Francisco has turned into a toilet. This is why Los Angeles has turned into the same thing. And you have piles and piles of garbage and you have people sleeping on sidewalks. You have people sleeping in doorways. You have needles all over the place in children's playgrounds. 
You've got typhus. You've got the bubonic plague making resurgences in America, in America, for God's sake. If you were to call that into question in most third world countries, they would get offended because why? They're ashamed of it. They're ashamed of that. And I don't blame them. Trash pickup and sanitation, right? Waste and sanitation services in a lot of countries around the world, that is a luxury. Do you understand? In America and in most Western nations, we have these things because we've advanced our societies to those points. And you know what? When a society develops to a point or a civilization as a whole develops to a point where you can have waste and sanitation services and running water, clean running water, disease, pandemics, epidemics, they get knocked out almost like that because you have sanitary conditions. This is why you have raging pandemics in a lot of areas around the world, such as Africa, parts of Central and South America, parts of Asia, because they haven't developed to that point yet. And of course, with what we're going to talk about tomorrow, under that agenda, nobody advances anymore. No one. So you're trying to say that there's no chance of, uh, of these countries around the world advancing themselves? Oh, wait, China can do that, right? They can still operate. That's fine. They're exempt. They're considered to be a developing nation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget where this came from. So, yes, Europe, I right? have a little. Uh, yeah, Europe. Yeah. Yes, Governor Cuomo. Yes, it came from Europe. So my, my point is, yes, is I, I do. I do have disdain for the ACLU because they allow the people to or excuse me, they support the people in these city structures that decriminalize crime and that allow this chaos and this decay of society to to continue. And so, yes. And when you try as a citizen of one of these cities, if you try to actually stand up for yourself or you uh, menace one of these people because they're menacing you, well, then what happens? We all know what happens, right? You, you're the aggressor. You're the guilty party. You're the one that's bad. You're the one that's that's menacing the poor bum that wants to use your your doorstep as a toilet, right? That is the crime. That's the real crime right there. You decriminalize crime and you make the legal law-abiding citizen the criminal. That's what the ACLU does. That's the kind of agendas that they foster. So yes, I have a little bit of a problem with them. Speaking of protests, let's look at what's happening outside of Portland. So BLM has decided to move out into the suburbs. Yes, they've mm-hmm. gone out to the suburb. They moved out into the suburbs with their megaphones like two o'clock in the morning. Is it? Something like that. Yeah, it's something like that early in the morning. Uh-huh. They're out there going into the uh, the neighborhoods. Now, mind you, I think these are all good liberal neighborhoods. Yeah. These are all woke neighborhoods. Isn't that right? They're, right. they're supporters yeah, sure. of the cause. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're running out through there. Oh, yeah. Not anymore. They're not out there. And I'm not going to repeat some of the things that they say, but they are marching through your neighborhoods, your peaceful neighborhoods where you're in your house with your families at two o'clock in the morning asleep and they're coming down the roads with megaphones blaring wake up wake up wake up mf or wake up you're now seeing the results of the liberal logic right that's what it is that's what this is you're seeing the results of it all you good progressives out there in the suburbs in your nice fancy houses all of you people have now supported a cause and fostered an agenda that has now come to your doorstep are you happy Are you happy? Because if you think that they're going to stop there, if you think they're going to stop with a megaphone outside of your window at two o'clock in the morning, you're sadly mistaken. You are sadly mistaken. And you ask yourself, where's the police? Where's the police? Oh, wait a minute. These are the same groups of people that are fighting to defund the police. And you vote for the same politicians that want to turn around and take your guns away from you. Why do we have the Second Amendment? I'll just remind everybody, why do we have the Second Amendment? Yes, it's because we have a last step obligation to 
fight back against the tyrannical government. Okay, that's a given. That's a given. But apart from that, it's also about self-defense. The police can't be everywhere all the time. So it's your responsibility to be able to defend yourself, your family, your home, your property, all of it. And so you ask yourself out in the suburbs, all you good progressives out there with your Biden 2020 signs in your yard and the ones that had your Hillary 2016 signs in your yard. Are you happy with what you've created? Because you're the ones that have done it. Oh, yes, I'm pointing the finger of blame at you. I'm not going to sit here and be divisive, right? There's plenty of blame to go on the Republican side, too. There's plenty there. Believe me. But I'm talking about the ones that say, oh, yes, we're good liberals, right? We're good liberals. We support this cause because we acknowledge that there's uh, injustice and all this crap. Well, guess what? These people don't want reform. They don't want redistribution. You know what they want? These people want vengeance. And they're going to come for you in those suburbs. They're going to come for you. Same thing with those corporations that are getting behind it, too. They're going to come for you. Any politician that gets behind it, they're going to come for you. The mobs always do. Every time in history, the mobs always come for you. Let's say worst case scenario, right? Let's paint a scenario here. Worst case scenario, Biden gets in. Okay, worst case, he gets in. Do you know what happens? The agenda we see now goes into warp speed, right? Everything, it's it's a race to the bottom at that point. Do you know what's going to happen? Because this has happened every time in history. I'll let you know. You're going to have more radical groups emerge, more radical ideologies emerge, and they'll then overtake and they'll start eating each other. They're already doing it now to an extent, aren't they? I mean, you're seeing it now. Huh. You, you want an example? Go ahead. Um, I think this was in Portland. I don't remember the exact where it was, but uh, there was a, an altercation between some BLM people. And I'm wanting to say uh, it was a transitioning person. I don't know what you're supposed to call okay. them. Uh, but okay. it was a, anyway, a transgender. And basically they started beating this person. The guy goes over and is like, whoa, whoa, okay, they're like, they're down on the ground. You've beaten the crap out of them. Let's just, you know, chillax, calm down. You know, it's all good. And was trying to de-escalate the situation. And they turned on him and started uh, to attack him. And he like jumped in his vehicle, drove off. They chased him down. He crashed. They beat the tar out of him. And then as he's on the ground, like you can tell a white flag was up. He's done. He's not doing anything. He's like, you know, looking for his phone to try to call his girlfriend. And one of them comes up and kicks him in the head. And knocks him out. And he wakes up three days later in ICU. God. He's a BLM supporter. Not only is he a BLM support, supporter, the... Oh, and his girlfriend, by the way. His girlfriend was also beaten. But the uh, transitioning person was um, also a BLM supporter. And that's one of the protective groups, right? But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they, they beat uh, all three of those people. And uh, it, it's all good, right? It's just It's just peaceful protests. Every time in history, you know, you could almost call that a counter-revolutionary, couldn't you? Yeah. Mm. Every time in history, when you have a group rise to power in some form of authoritarian manner, every group that they had that helped them come to power, only one group remains. And mm-hmm. it's whoever becomes the strongest in that fight. Now, one of these two groups, now it, let's just say that you have Antifa and you have BLM. Those two groups cannot coexist. They cannot coexist. They will work together at this point in time to get the agenda through that they need to get through. 
but they cannot coexist. One will remain supreme. And I tell you something, if I had to put my money on somebody, I'd say Antifa is going to get flushed. Antifa is going to get flushed regardless. And you know something? BLM will probably get flushed too, because it's not going to be any of the groups you're seeing now. They have to flush Antifa, I think. With the current agenda, they're, they're trying to play the, the whole race politics, you know, yes. identity politics. So they have to flush an, a, Antifa because of that. Yeah, that's precisely why I said it. it's every all the race politics you're seeing. Uh, a bunch of meth head white people don't play in that. So they got to go. That's probably why I say that that group's going to get flushed. But OK, n- nonetheless, it's important to understand what's actually going on here with these groups. And I think people are still largely in the dark about it. And I'm talking about the good woke people. You're still not getting it, are you? You're still not getting it. What's it going to take? What's it going to take? What is going to snap you out of it? Right? I'm not talking to the average person out there that sees what's going on. Right. The, the ones that sit here and listen to us every day. And we thank you all very much for that. I want to reach the woke person. Yeah. I want to reach the people that I talk to. Right. The people that I talk to that I talked about yesterday that I spoke on very briefly yesterday, the ones that are left of Democrats. I talk to you people. I know you listen time and again. What's it going to take? What's it going to take for you to understand that these groups will come for you? You don't fit in that agenda. None of us do. And more than that, the ones that are helping them right now that are allied with them, they don't fit. They don't exist in that agenda. So unfortunately, we're out of time. Uh, So we're going to have to uh, call it quits for today, which is unfortunate because I could probably sit here and keep going. But anyway, I'm sure that this is not going to be the last time we're going to talk about any of these groups. Uh, But yes, they're starting to make their. Yeah, we'll we'll have a laundry list of things tomorrow on them. I'm sure. No, not tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Not tomorrow's tomorrow's 2030. Tomorrow's going to be fun. So they still fit into the agenda. They do. They do. That's part of the groups to help bring it in. Yes. Yeah. You don't want to miss us tomorrow. We're going to be talking about Agenda 2030 tomorrow uh, with Marty. And that's that's going to be great because this is kind of an ongoing thing. And you know something? I was thinking that once we get everything done, once we cover all those bases, it's going to be a continuous thing. Once we get all those done, maybe on a weekend or something, we could release all of them in order. That way, everyone can get all the agenda all at once rather than going back and picking through everything. So maybe we could just kind of package it all up and and send it all. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. But we are going to have to go. So for those of you who have not, you'd like to, please do give us a follow on the social media platform of Parlor. Love getting all your likes, your echoes, your comments, your upvotes. Please feel free to drop us a line at any time over there. We would really appreciate hearing from you. You can follow me over there at Anderson 3 You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you would like to reach out to us and you do not want to get onto Parlor, uh, you can drop us a line anytime you like at tips at dynamicindependence.com. Uh, and also, we would humbly ask you to pass this along to friends and family. As I said yesterday, and as I say every day, we're trying to grow our audience as much as possible. And word of mouth by you loyal listeners helps us do just that. So if you would pass this along to friends and family and close associates, we would really appreciate that. Also, if you rate podcasts, we would really appreciate it if you would drop into Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating at your convenience. We would really appreciate that. So five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.